0: I just have to assume you know who the Fab Five is. If you don't know who the Fab Five is, you're not going to care about this episode of this podcast. And quite frankly, a three-minute podcast introduction isn't enough to cut the mustard to tell their story anyway. The Fab Five is one of the greatest recruiting classes in college basketball history. And I'd argue the greatest. Chris Webber, Jawan Howard, Jalen Rose, three longtime NBA veterans, alongside Jimmy King and Ray Jackson. I think you can make a very convincing argument that the Fab Five, their two-year run, and the impact they had on just about everything in the 90s and even up to today, is the most significant singular event to ever happen to college basketball. It was, in the truest sense of the word, a phenomenon. With an opportunity for revenge, the Fab Five came back the next season, 1993, and made a surprise run to the NCAA Finals again. This time facing another Tobacco Road powerhouse, Dean Smith's University of North Carolina Tar Heels. The Fab Five and the Wolverines got out early, but UNC fought back, built their own lead, and took it deep into the second half. Now, it was Michigan's turn to take a stand. The Wolverines came back, got the shots they wanted on offense, and momentum seemed to be on their side. With 19 seconds left, UNC missed a free throw and won Macy, Edward, christopher weber the boxed out north carolina's george lynch to get the rebound with time winding down weber looked for a teammate and spotted jalen rose along the sideline as weber stopped to pass the ball george lynch sagely stepped back into the passing lane which forced weber to hold on to the ball which forced weber to drag his pivot foot and travel but the refs didn't call it. With the arena crowd now going wild, Weber panicked and raced up the court toward Michigan's bench where he was double teamed and trapped again by George Lynch and Carolina's Derek Phelps. Chris Weber was reeling down two points, 11 seconds left. He just got away with the travel. The crowd is going nuts. He's running for his life. And now he's trapped in the corner by two great defenders. There was nothing he could do but call a time out. But the Michigan Wolverines didn't have any technical foul. North Carolina makes the free throws and wins the national championship. The Fab Five wouldn't play another game together this is first balance Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and decides whether they're good enough for the First Ballot Hall of Fame. This is the Sports Moment Hall of Fame. We only put in the best sports moments in our hall. I am your host, Neil, the long-lost Gasol brother, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, half Filipino, half not Filipino. I'm not the biggest Lakers fan. I am the best Lakers fan, the five-star recruit, the four-star podcast host, the three-star man in general, Mr. Not Always Right, but Mr. Never Wrong, coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal Office Depot, big and tall executive suite, desk chair in my basement. The First Ballot Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by Ball is Life and the Ball is Life Podcast Network. Support Ball is Life because they support your boy at Ball is Life on all socials. Today's episode of the First Ballot Hall of Fame podcast could be sponsored by could be sponsored by the fast and the furious movie series i've actually only seen two fast Two furious i don't know how i got to the second one and didn't watch the first i understand they're all good movies i'm willing to watch them and discuss them for money our guest today once wrote quote it's a shame that in america the best example we have of of all races working together are the fast and furious movies (laughs) truer words have never been spoken fast and furious if you'd like uh, this podcast to throw our weight behind your fledgling little movie series let me know the 1993 NCAA men's basketball national championship game or what you might remember as Chris Webber's infamous timeout is without question a great sports moment but is it a first bell hall of famer we have to decide that today by the end of this episode we'll have our answer I'm actually really waffling on this I don't know where I'm gonna land I don't know what to do we have a great guest who'll have all the answers he's a stand-up comedian and sketch actor and most notably a tremendously successful comedy writer listen to this he's a 16 time emmy nominee that's that's fucking absurd he's a peabody winner he's a four-time writers guild award winner he didn't just write for the legendary Chappelle show he wrote the race draft sketch do you hear what i'm saying He's also written for the Chris Rock Show, Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn, Keenan on NBC, but he's also worked at Saturday Night Live for 19 years, 19 years, my God, where he's been a writer, senior writer, and co-head writer, but perhaps most importantly for us today, our guest is a proud Tar Heel alum, it's the prodigious, the remarkable, I wish I had his career. Mr. Brian Tucker. Whoa! Uh,
1: thank Brian, you very much.
0: You're way <laughs> better you. than the show. Why are you here?
1: Thank you. It's it's uh, it's very nice to hear that you're so impressed with the 16 nominations. Without mentioning that, uh, never once won. <laughs> All losers. Listen, gotcha. I like
0: to keep it positive in the air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still 16. I mean, even the idea of of being up for one or at one of those events just seems like a fantasy land. If you'd have 16 nominations, that's insane. My yeah,
1: I mean, it's just you know, SNL gets nominated just about you know, for at least the past few years, just about every year. So it's part of that, it's part of you know, the uh, being part of the SNL writing staff. You know, it's amazing. So it's amazing.
0: Yeah. Uh, another thing you did again, I'm like trying to truncate my intro, not have it be super long. Well, another thing you did that I didn't put in the intro, you started the kicker, which if you've been on line for a while and you are a sports fan like i am then you know the kicker you know it was a comedy website lots of comedy video sketches and podcasts uh the kicker was up for a while you guys did a sketch it was like brutally honest um ncaa brackets very funny video Uh, (laughs) my friend Uh, I'm probably his best friend, but he's not my best friend. Michael Torpy (laughs) is the actor in that sketch. He's very funny in that, which also because I know Torpy, I know means that the writing and the production was good because Torpy's, you know, the ceiling on Torpy is here and the video (laughs) ended up being better. So uh, kudos to you guys. Um, He's great. Yeah. You did. You guys did that in your free time. My God, it's just wild to think about how much you've done. Do you have just just thinking strictly SNL? Do you have any famous SNL uh, sports sketches, sports-specific, that we as listeners, viewers, know and remember and love that can be attributed to you being a gigantic sports nerdy fan? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I
1: can't say there. Uh, there's a lot of famous ones Um I've written a lot of sports stuff on the show. if you see stuff that's football, if you see stuff that is college basketball, that's probably me. Mm. One thing people kind of remember was uh when Jesus came back uh to talk to Tim Tebow uh Jason <laughs> Sudeikis played Jesus that was big for you know a little while. The thing is that s n l doesn't have a lot of great uh you know sports sketches the sketches that people know me from are Things like uh, Black Jeopardy and What's Up With That and oh uh, Cecily Strong uh, doing Janine Um But, you know, if you put my top 10 uh, most well-known SNL sketches, they're not really sports
0: sketches. Um, What's Up With and- That is just a, a personal favorite. That's got to be like a personal top 10 for me uh snl sketches that is fun the thing about that was it's fu- it was fun every single time and even it's like that passes that mustard test where it's like you know how this thing works so you like know it's it's it loses some of the like well what's going to happen because you know you know what's going to happen but then you guys filling in all those spots and always getting a laugh that speaks to how funny that is and how funny keenan was in it uh, well, thank you.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of joy underneath that
0: sketch. Yes. Uh, and that's kind of the key to it yes. that, you know,
1: it, it, the the fun of it is not necessarily like, oh, here comes the same joke. Mm-hmm. It's more it's more like, oh, we're all just enjoying this together. There's just a lot of warmth and joy underneath um, that kind of just, you know, we'll will keep the energy going, whether you've seen it for the
0: first time or the 10th. Yeah. And that d- the dance that Sudeikis does in What's Up With That, is that was that the first time he did that dance, which then sort of goes on and kicks off Ted Lasso?
1: Yes. Uh, I mean, it's not the first time he has done it personally, but it's when he uh, did it on TV, (laughs) you know. Uh, I mean, uh, the great thing about that sketch is, you know, it's just a kitchen sink sketch where we could just throw a whole bunch of stuff (laughs) in and like... I had seen Jason, uh, you know, dance at some of the SNL after parties. I was like, this guy, you know, he, he's got some fun moves. Yeah. Um, and so when we were writing that sketch, we were like, okay, just, it has to be this cacophony of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, you know, and I asked Jason, I was like, do you want to just come on and be a dancer? And he was like, yeah, but, um, you know what I want to do? I want to wear like a, a old school Beastie Boys tracksuit. I was like perfect. Why
0: you know? not? <laughs> yeah, let's
1: do it. So, uh yeah.
0: what athletes have been fun to work with as hosts or in cameos? Are there athletes that sort of stick out in your mind?
1: I mean, the hosts since I've been here, been there that were athletes, uh we had Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. we had LeBron James, we had um Eli Manning. Uh we had Michael Phelps, um I mean, as you might guess, Peyton Manning yeah. uh, was just fun and funny, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, just immediately uh, had a good sense of humor and whether he was a great comedian or not, he knew mm-hmm. at least how to use, mm-hmm. ha- how to make himself funny, how to, he knew how to play a scene, mm-hmm. you know. We had Travis Kelsey this past uh, um, year and he was great, you know, really completely willing to do, you know, whatever uh, was asked for for him, even if it was really weird, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I did not write it, but, uh, um, he did a scene with, uh, where he was at an American girl doll store and he had to be kind of proper yet creepy. Uh, you know, what you wouldn't think is, is something an NFL player could do very well, but he was great in it. So you can tell that he, uh, just, you know, he, he, if you take all the football and personal yes. stuff out of it, right. um, that like he, he can be on TV and, and be funny.
0: It does. Do you resent? I'm saying this. I do feel this way. So, what I'm the question that I'm about to ask you is me silently uh, saying how I feel and trying to put this on Brian. Do you resent when you see an athlete who is funny? Do you go, does your brain go, how dare you also be funny when you are also a world class athlete? Do you, does part of you hate those people? I guess so. Yeah. 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 Being, yeah. Uh, you know, being someone who uh,
1: yeah. kind of used funny as a defense mechanism right. yeah. in high school, because I wasn't very big. Right. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, you know what, a lot of them, though, are, are kind of uh, um, what my friend Andre Dubichet calls, uh, like, like prom king funny, yeah. where they walk into a room and they're, <laughs> and they have a lot of charisma and everybody, right. you know, gives them a two finger point is like, Oh, it's that guy. <laughs> You know, where, um, (laughs) you know, they're fun more than, you know, they're not going to sit down and write a joke and write a sketch or or whatever. You know, nonetheless, I'm like you, a huge sports fan. And I, I'm so glad to even have these people around in the same room, much less to work with them. So, uh, you know, I I can't say when they come to SNL, you know, there's, there's not a lot of like, Yeah, F that guy, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just so glad that Lauren has picked an athlete rather than you know, some, uh, right. actor that I don't fully know. Right.
0: I totally get it. Uh, what did you love more as a kid? Did you love comedy more? Or did you love sports more? If you, you know, like if you had to go, this was more important to my upbringing, which was more important to you? Uh,
1: I mean, for me personally, comedy was more important to my upbringing because, you know, comedy was my way to get away. It was, mm-hmm. it was, you know, what I nerded out on when other people were, watching sports or watching movies or, you know, whatever. Uh, however, I would say the, uh, community that I grew up on sports was incredibly important, especially I grew up outside of Richmond, Virginia. Um, and, uh, you know, especially ACC basketball, Mm -hmm. um, you know, football, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Washington, the commanders, uh, um, Back then there, the Redskins, uh, you know, that was a, like a big team. Right. But sports was definitely a huge part of the culture where I grew up.
0: So set the table for us. What was your favorite sport? What is your favorite sport, your favorite team, and your favorite athlete of all time? Oh, gosh. Um,
1: I mean, my favorite sport is college basketball by right. far, because, God. again, that's where I grew up. Uh, right. You know, I, I grew up in a place where when the ACC tournament started, in our elementary and middle school, the teacher would uh, roll that TV into yes. the room <laughs> oh my God. and we would just watch it from noon uh. to you know, three, uh, just um, <laughs> ah, that's fantastic. not learn for the day. You know, that's the kind of place where I, I grew up. So college basketball is uh, and my favorite team, you know, is University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which is where I went to school. Um, I was 10 years, uh, 10 or 11 years old when Michael Jordan won the mm. national championship. Um, uh, and then probably my favorite athlete is, uh, I mean, this is a cliched answer, but it's probably Muhammad Ali because yeah, yeah. I think he's one of oh, the people who answer. transcended sports, yes, um, completely. and actually sacrificed his career uh to for a greater cause okay. you know there's lots of athletes who will go and you know uh have causes you know espouse their politics mm. have opinions but he's one of the guys who actually gave up a tremendous amount That's right. you know when he was on top of the world um, so uh you know i i admire that guy i don't know anyone else quite like him
0: a fantastic answer i appreciate it. and i also love the idea of the av cart test did your teachers roll an AV card into your into your homeroom to let you watch part of this game? That's so much fun. Uh, uh, the now, when we were debating which moment to discuss on this podcast, you brought up two other moments that I want to quickly ask you about. Mm-hmm. One was Gerald Henderson absolutely bashing Tyler Hansbro's nose. Why do you, <laughs> why did we almost talk about that moment? We were very close to talking about that moment.
1: Well, again, where right. I come from, uh, you know, down in North Carolina, you're either a UNC fan or you're a Duke fan, or maybe you're an NC State fan,. Right, right. But it, it really divides people, you know, in the same way Yankees, Red Sox divides people. Um, and, you know, it, that moment was, you know, a, a, a declaration of war. <laughs> it was the kind of thing <laughs> that like, people were going to talk about for the next two years. <laughs> Um, and you know, people <laughs> people love to hate Hansborough, but you know he was a bull in a china shop. And then to see him with his nose completely bloodied, you know, his eyes just red with rage and hurt, <laughs> uh, and you know Gerald Henderson to kind of not really be sorry about it, you know, it just ignited that war. Come it on. you know the 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 light embers that burned in Chapel Hill and Durham were just suddenly Ugh. aflame you know, for so long uh, after that, it was, it, it, yeah.
0: It's so much fun. Greg Foster, once he played for the Utah Jazz, Greg Foster made a throat slashing gesture. I think he was on the jazz bench and they were beating the Lakers and he did a throat slash gesture. And my entire life, I've hated Greg Foster for that one singular thing. He played on the Lakers title team and I still loathe Greg Foster. (laughs) It's just funny how those things stick with you. Those moments just never go away. Um yeah. the other thing you we were almost going to talk about is UNC beating Duke and Coach K's last game. Yes. I as someone who deeply believes in hate being important to sports, I want to give you the floor so you can discuss that game and what makes it so important to you. Well, I mean, obviously if you're a North
1: Carolina fan uh and a you know, the the rival if you ask a North Carolina fan or a Duke fan, you know, do you, you love to beat Duke. You love to, uh, you know, you love to come out on top in that rivalry. But if you asked a fan, would you like to play Duke or North Carolina in the final four? I think both North Carolina and Duke fans would say no, because the The prospect of winning is yes. so incredible, right? But the prospect of right. losing it, it would would just seal, you know, the rivalry forever. Right. Right. Um, and so, you know, going into that game, we were just so nervous. And Duke was a better team. They had six guys who went on to uh, get drafted in the NBA on that team. Mm. Um, and to still beat them, you know, was amazing. Uh, so, I have a fun story about that actual game uh, personally so um so i've been writing for snl for 18 seasons uh i have never missed a show on saturday is um, that true yeah never missed a show um oh my so, god not because of illness not because we had a you know we had a hurricane you know stuff like that i mean we missed, we missed we shows because of the shows have been canceled because of the strike or because of you know, we had one yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. Of was canceled because of COVID. Right. But anyway, um, so I personally had never missed a show.
0: Unbelievable.
1: So, um, so the the people at SNL know I'm a huge Carolina fan. They know I watch every single game. And then that game was Saturday night, the night we had a show. <laughs> and so... I, that morning, well, I had been feeling bad and that morning I got up and tested myself and I had COVID. Uh, And so I called in to the people, our producers at SNL and said, I'm sorry, I can't come in tonight. I have COVID. And they were like, really? You know, they knew me. They knew what game that was that night. And they were like, come on. Uh, And I was like, yes, I do. And luckily... uh, I had officially tested at NBC the day before, and right. the results had come out at like 1 a.m., you know, and when yeah. they went back and looked at that, they that could verify possible. that I had COVID. <laughs> but... I was so damn glad to have COVID. Like uh, no, no one was so grateful to have COVID. So as I funny. Was. What a so, story. That's fantastic. My God had touched me just so I, came, <laughs> just so I could watch that game.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. What a great story. Thank you for sharing it. Uh, it does make me remember when I graduated high school, they did the full thing. Everybody went and got the diploma and everybody threw their hats or whatever. And then they go, well, there's one more thing. We want to invite Timmy Smith up to the stage. I don't remember where the guy's name was. Timmy Smith had perfect attendance K through 12 uh-huh. every day of school. <laughs> perfect attendance k through 12 i was aghast i'm still aghast i'm certain he came to school many many times with a virulent disease yeah it makes me think of that but the one thing people well maybe they do know snl a famously brutal schedule how do you manage that schedule for this many years you're also like you're getting into like a part of your life where like maybe you don't have to do this crazy meat grinder of a schedule how do you deal with that snl schedule for so long
1: well, I, I, the, uh, the part of it is that we only have 21 shows in the right. year and they're 52 weeks in a year. So I, you know, it's not like I'm there week after week yeah. after week. Um, but also part of it is, you know, just the, there's the culture is, you know, there's a show to put out. The show mm-hmm. must go on. It's a very old school theater culture of, yeah. you know, if you're going to be there, you know, if, if we're going to have a show, you're going to yes. try to be there. Right. So, um, Uh, There's a they have a nurse, you know, there who works there. So, you know, especially cast members, if they're feeling bad, you know, they they're sick. Um, I also I guess in some ways have been very lucky where I I definitely have been sick, but maybe it was on a Monday or Tuesday. it just wasn't wasn't fully on a Saturday
0: i also want to take a moment to say gerald henderson came on this podcast he is oh. the official nba player of the first ballot podcast i won't have you besmirch him for smashing tyler hansbro's nose and that's the reason <laughs> we didn't do that episode okay no, we have no, to no. <laughs> we have to dive in to the 93 final of the chris weber timeout to decide whether that goes into our first ballot hall of fame we have to go through our hall of fame credentials those are the categories by which we judge our moment the first credential as always Analytics, stats, people love numbers in sports. Here are some numbers behind this moment. UM was 31-4. and 4. They lost all four of their games to teams ranked 11th or higher. Here are the rankings of the teams Michigan did beat. They beat the number two team, the five team, the 16, the nine team, 15, 17, 19, and 25. Great season. Michigan beat NC December 28th of that same season. Beat him at the buzzer and I think, a Jalen Rose tip in. Uh, Weber averaged 19, 10, two and a half, two and a half, and one and a half throughout that season. That's a whale of a college season for the record. Jalen, 15 and a half, four, four, and one. NC was 33 and four. First week of the season, they were ranked eighth. That's the lowest they'd be all year, slowly climbing to the number one ranking in the country just as the month of March began. Montross averaged 16, seven and a half, and one block per game. George Lynch average near 15 and 9.6 boards per game in college two assists and two steals. I kind of you kind of forget how great of a college basketball player George Lynch was.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about this game is that, you know, you're naming all these uh, Michigan players, you know, Chris Webber, Juwan Howard, Jalen Rose, and all your listeners are like, oh, yeah, I know those guys. And then you bring up George Lynch and even Eric Montras, and they're like, who? Um, (laughs) And that's part of the reason I think this is a great moment, because uh, basically there's this super team, this Fab Five team that got beaten by uh, a Carolina team that was incredibly good, of course. Um, but not uh, Hall of Fame good like the Michigan players were.
0: Montross, I do, it does make me, I do, this is like an enjoyable part of this for me, that I look at Montross and I go, right, because a good old big white lunk in college still plays. Like (laughs) you can get a big old lunky dude and he can still play very well in college basketball. Do you have a favorite, Brian Tucker, do you have a favorite big white lunk from your college basketball uh, viewing days? um gosh uh
1: i mean there was a guy behind Montrust named matt winstrom who played yes. like three uh three three minutes a game who ended up getting drafted by the celtics for like yes. a week because even the nba needed big white <laughs> <That's right>. guys
0: <laughs> particularly boston
1: um, yeah there was a guy uh there was a guy on nc state named chuck nevitt uh, yes. if you look him up, uh, he's like a huge, tall, huge. Guy. He's got like a porn star mustache. <laughs> yes. Uh, he looks like he's probably, you know, seven feet, yes. like 130 pounds. Yes. Um, but he, uh, and he, you know, he's got that feathered,
0: uh, early eighties hair. Uh, he was a fun, big white, lunky guy. A great answer. Chuck Nevitt, my God, Chuck Nevitt He did. He looked like a real avatar, super long, thin body. And he played for the Lakers, my Lakers. Oh, wow. He did. Answer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's some more numbers, Michigan 30 and Oh, I didn't know this. They say this during the game, Michigan was 30 and Oh, when they led with five minutes left in the game and Michigan yeah. was up with two points with five minutes left in this game. UNC won the game in the national championship, of course, 77 to 71. Jimmy King finished the game with 15, six, four and one great game out of Jimmy King. Uh, he, he only played 34 minutes cause of foul trouble. And then, uh, Chris Webber had a whale of a game. I thought he outclassed everyone. He had 23, 11, 1, and 1, and 3 blocks. He was just an absolute monster. It was really sort of staggering to watch him in this game. It's very much like a man among boys thing for Chris Webber in this game. Uh, Here's a big stat, Brian. I've been waiting to put this in front of you. I want to get your honest reaction. To me, it's devastating. I want to hear your thoughts. Free throws in this game. Carolina took 23 free throws. Mm-hmm. michigan took seven wow that's Ooh, pretty rough that is uh, <laughs> a rough disparity when they, you've got chris weber and juan howard taking in as many shots as they did they the
1: took paint. i think they took six three throws in that last you know minute and a half yeah, i mean that's, not, not, that's not to excuse a whole that, lot of it that's fair but, I mean, I'll also say Carolina had a big lunkhead who they threw it into, and his strategy is to hold it as high as he could and just turn around true. And, and get fouled. I mean, a lot of those big lunkhead guys live at the free throw line. That's true. Um, you know, uh, and I would say, you know, Michigan is, uh, I, they were a lot less, they, they played a lot less down low yeah. uh, than uh, than Carolina did. But, you know, I mean, uh obviously that's a huge
0: disparity huge disparity how I, and this is the truth i went diving into like who are the refs? Was this racism? <laughs> I gotta be honest. I did go. I'm going to find out that one of these dudes was at Jan six. Like I'm going to figure, I'm going to crack this case. And, but the lead was at Eddie Hightower. So listen, I, you know, I don't, I think maybe that fell on deaf ears, that little plan of mine. Uh, but 23 to seven, something to think about. Uh, I, not for nothing. Eric Montrose had really great touch, which again, I just thought of him as the big white lunk, but really nice touch with his hook, really nice touch at the free throw line. Uh, far more enjoyable than I was expecting as I rewatched this game in preparation for this pod. Uh, last number here, Carolina was a two-point favorite. Interesting. Interesting. I thought yeah. the same. Uh, two-point favorite, again, I don't, know, I don't know how Vegas works. I just know that those people know something. And yeah, Carolina, two-point yeah, favorite.
1: Because Michigan, the same te- basically the same team had gone to the national championship game the, the year before. That's I know right. they lost by like 15 or 20, but like you would had think. The experience. Yeah, they had yeah. the experience.
0: And, and had beaten NC earlier in the year. So, yeah, right. interesting. Uh, The the next credential is the eye test. There's a lot. We're going to spend a lot of time here, everybody. Buckle up. The You're eye right. test. What did we see in this moment that makes it special? What did you see as you rewatch this, which I really deeply appreciate you doing? You told me before we recorded that you watched some of this game to prepare for this. What did you see in the footage that makes it stick out? I mean, if you want to, the the biggest thing are are these
1: players that you know thirty mm-hmm. years later. Mm-hmm. You know, we know Chris Weber. Yes. You know, we we certainly know we know Juwan Howard, and then a lot uh, the fact that a lot of them, uh, it, it was Dean Smith's. You know, uh, I think it was his. he was his. Last, I'm certain it was his last championship that he won. Right. Um, you know and uh so th- there's some iconic mm-hmm. basketball people in-, in this game um and then there are also people uh, you know we can Maybe we talk about this later, um, but uh there are people that you don't know that became kind of iconic uh we were just uh talking earlier. Rob Polinka was yes. on this uh Michigan team. He has been a huge influence in basketball for the next thirty years yes uh Carolina had a guy named Henrik Rodel mm-hmm. uh, who um was a German player uh who went on to coach the German national team mm-hmm. and had a huge influence in german basketball um And, uh, you know, um, I I think uh, this is also a game, a college basketball game that I think most fans of a certain age will remember, um, where you might not remember who won in 97 or 2003. Mm -hmm. Uh, You definitely remember this one, you know, besides the michigan state uh or uh yeah michigan state uh illinois state larry bird won yeah uh, magic johnson won in 79 there's not that many college national championship games that people would immediately remember the yes. players and Agreed. who and who uh who was in it and i feel totally like agree. this one is one of them
0: totally agree uh, uh, the like obviously I know and will know for the rest of my life the, who the Fab Five are. I'll never forget who Michigan started for half of that freshman year and for all of this season. Uh, I'll remember it forever. But I also remember – I bet you I could – I remember Brian Reese because he's a New York guy starting for NC, certainly Montrose Phelps, and Donna Williams. I guess I wouldn't have known who the fifth Carolina starter was. But for me – A noted college basketball skeptic, I think of college sports the way I think about student films, they're just not professional, and I don't really d- dabble into them too much. This hit a peak. This game landed in a pocket where, like, I've, m- basketball was, for all intents and purposes, my entire life. So I've committed to memory nine of the ten dudes that started this game, which, I, again, speaks to your point. This is There were iconic figures in this game, uh, a legendary moment for sure. Uh, the thing that sticks out to me as I watch, and I'm very excited to share this. Obviously, Chris Webb, first off, in the during the timeout, a tremendous rebound, a beautiful top of his jump, snatches the ball. It looks like he's about to call a timeout. Do you know what I'm talking about when he kind of tucks yeah, yeah. that ball under his arm? Doesn't it look and like then, he's going to call a timeout? he
1: kind of probably walks with it. For sure walks. Yeah, yeah.
0: For sure walks. And then this is what I want to talk about. As I think about being a sports fan, like I watch sports for fun but I'm a sports fan for the belief that I can somehow affect the outcome of a game. That's the truth. (laughs) I believe that if I cheer loud enough, that if I do the same thing, if I sit in the same spot, something about what, something about what I'm doing in New York city will affect the outcome of the Los Angeles Lakers game. That's what happens in my head. And I think to some varying degree, every sports fan thinks the same. The moment I want to bring up, the thing that I saw watching this game is the Carolina bench. Here are gentlemen that are not in the game. They're not playing. They're on the sidelines. And when Chris Webber travels... They completely lose their mind. And it really creates the panic that Uh sets off the next six seconds worth of Uh action, which ultimately decides the game. I firmly believe the bench creates this furor. The refs are going, wait, what did I I read an interview from one of the refs said, wait, what did I miss? Chris Webber clearly panics. He literally runs away from the scene of the crime, sprints down the court. His momentum is sort of carrying him again. He damn near travels once he calls for the timeout. It just creates bedlam, and it's those dudes, the assistant coaches, the guy sitting on the bench, the furor they create in that moment, I truly believe ended up impacting that game, and that is tremendous.
1: Yeah that's a great observation. I I didn't even see that. If you watch, you know, you if you watch, I mean I certainly saw it but I didn't notice it. But if you watch those last 2 minutes, those guys are just, you know, just going crazy at yes. every little moment. Yes. They can feel it. They can know?
0: feel it and it's like the you know when I played basketball in high school your coach when you're sitting on the bench your coach is like stay engaged cheer for your teammates like they say those things and you're like "Ah, we're getting beat or we're going to lose this game like I don't give a shit I should be playing like you do whatever it is that you do but for kids college kids to go no I'm going to stay engaged we can win this game I'm not going to panic I'm in this I'm involved I'm watching every second and now here's my opportunity to blow up and create this whoa am I going to get the ref to blow his whistle and it ends up spinning Chris weber off into this hysteria that makes him call a timeout it just is a I, to me it's like and we just had an episode brian where mikey Wylan, who's a twitter user mikey Wylan exposed and uncovered an nba ref's burner account which yeah. led to an nba investigation which led to that referee suddenly retiring Wow. And I'm like, dude, your tweets literally affected the future of NBA basketball. And it's I look at I want to like I don't know if I you know what was his name? Calabria, Dante Calabria or or uh, uh, Salvadori, like those dudes. I'm like, whoever was on that NC bench, you guys did it. You created like a thing that ultimately (laughs) affected a game. It's just like fantastic to think about. And I really appreciate it here. Yeah, you know, they say, you know, your fandom matters and yes. this time it totally it did. Totally did. Also, it begs the question, why is there a penalty for calling a timeout when you don't have one? Like why is that penalized? Like you right. in my opinion, you shouldn't be penalized for a fuck up in sports. The fuck up is the penalty. When right. when when a guy misses a free throw, You're not like, oh, fuck, you fucking idiot. You shouldn't have missed that free throw. I'm going to now hit you with a tech, and this guy gets to shoot his own free throw because you fucked this thing up. Like, there are mistakes all the time. Why is that a mistake that gets penalized? What are you
1: saying should happen? He calls the timeout, and what should happen?
0: That's what we're going to do this live here right now. I'm sitting here going, if I go to call a timeout, And you're like Chris Weber, like let's run through the Chris Weber thing. He, he walks, he he sprints down the court. He tries to stop. He starts calling for a timeout. He stopped. He's about to get double teamed in that moment. He's calling for a timeout. Let him go. Go. I I throw my hands up. If I'm a ref, I go, I nothing you're on your own. You just stopped the ball. You're calling timeout, timeout, timeout. Everybody's like, no, 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 you don't have a timeout. I think it would create like a weird thing. Like he'd walk and it's like, then you fucked up again. Like, but, I don't know. There's just something. I don't know why that is the mistake where someone steps in and goes, no, 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 you're that's what, what is the advantage to going? Wait, timeout. If you don't have one, like no one does it intentionally. that It's not like strategy. That's my thinking.
1: Right, right.
0: I mean, I guess you could uh, like at the, at the end
1: of a football game, you know, uh, if a team did not have a timeout. You know, they could uh, they could signal to the ref timeout right. and throw the other team off. Yeah, you know, and decide true. and, and kind of keep going and almost use it as a as a as a fake out or something. Yeah, you know? maybe maybe uh,
0: the refs don't know well enough, and so they have to like get together, and then you've got coaches that are able to talk to kids because refs are like, wait, do they have a timeout? I want to confirm, and then you've got moments to talk to your coach. Yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe that's right.
1: I mean, I, I don't know about like a technical and two free throws. You know, right. maybe it's just you turn the ball over. Yeah. You know, the other team gets it.
0: Um, the other thing I saw, 15-16 left in the second half. Donald Phelps travels, turns the ball over. Michigan takes the ball to bounds on one end of the court. Carolina decides to trap Jalen Rose. He's the only player, you know, waiting for the inbounds pass. They trap him. Steve Fisher calls a timeout, worried they're not going to get the ball in. Nobody from Michigan comes back to the ball. They forced that timeout. 15, 16 left in the second half. That was an important timeout to burn. And it was on a strategy, hey, wait, trap the ball. Like, don't let him get the ball. That's, I mean, if you're a coach, I feel I, – I don't know much about – Uh, I don't keep track of, like, plays and things that, that NCAA coaches have done. But if I'm Dean Smith or anyone related to Dean Smith, I'm like – Hey, I might uh, fly that flag every once in a while. I remember when this dude suddenly trapped and forced a timeout that ultimately ended up mattering in this game. Fantastic! Yeah, I do
1: feel like that was really uh, that was a big Dean Smith thing to do For was sure. trap. Yes. You know, get
0: someone if someone had the
1: ball in the corner, they would. You know, even Carolina fans would be like, "Trap, yes. trap!" Yes. You know, um, it's funny how I don't. I don't see. I, I mean, people definitely still try to trap, but you don't see it as a strategy as much as much as you used to i'm not quite sure why
0: i don't know either i'm sure there's like some analytical reason for it that that would drive me nuts yeah. uh the last thing i saw again this is like a heavy heavy section here but it's a, there's a lot to look at this is a battle between two of college basketball's best jerseys of all time <laughs> my god those carolina jerseys changed my life yeah. i i owned a pair of those carolina replica nike shorts because whatever that like you know I don't know if it's a plaid or a paisley uh, or yeah, whatever argyle. that does. Argyle, that's what it is. Yeah, argyle. Oh yeah, my yeah. god, that argyle up the side, gorgeous. Yeah. That Carolina blue, designed, my god. Designed by Alexander Julian, who's a Carolina ju- graduate. Oh yeah. my god, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Cool. You even knowing that? I those I and those aren't even you know I the I also had a pair of the replica Michigan shorts and the like a double XL as like a fucking whatever I was eleven or twelve year old uh just a gigantic pair of shorts uh all be- for the fab five who i enjoy. i also wore black socks i went to black socks in yeah, high school yeah. never not didn't wear black socks just the best aesthetic in college basketball history that fab five team massively massively important i know that you're here as an nc guy but I, how much of this no, is I- going to end up going in because of, of the fab five or not going because of the fab five I agree. I mean, I
1: com—I completely agree that, you know, when you think back to that, you think back to the Fab Five, you know, those those uniforms, you know, those people um, and the fact that Carolina won, you know, is to me uh, even more of a testament to how great a victory it was. For sure. Uh,
0: the ear test. It's the next credential. The co- bit of an uneven call up to this point. Jim Nance, Billy Packer, classic Final Four team. So that's a positive. However, At a big moment in the second half, Michigan's coming back. Chris Webber steals the ball, takes it the length of the court, and dunks it. Here's the call on that moment. Got to pivot out there. There's Webber. What a steal. Quick race. Webber with Williams behind him. Forget it. That should have been a technical foul. I do not understand that card, Jim. Guy hangs on the rim. He's not in any danger. It has not been called all year. It'll be the number one thing I think we'll see in courts next year in college basketball. The refs have not done a good job with it at all. Your thoughts on Billy Packer?
1: We we do not like Billy Packer. Uh, <laughs> Carolina fans have always not liked Billy Sorry. Packer. They have a there's a thing that they do down in Chapel Hill, especially when Billy Packer was calling games, is you turn down the volume on the TV <laughs> and you turn our local radio broadcast yeah. on, which is uh, um, done by Woody Durham, uh, who uh, I don't know if you know, but like when when Weber called the timeout, Woody Durham kind of has that iconic call, which is him kind of going like technical foul, technical foul. Um, (laughs) uh, And that's, you know, that's a thing that they still play around, you know, in uh, in Chapel Hill. Um, So I think Billy Billy Packer is a Wake Forest guy. uh, And I think he in (laughs) general, you know, he's he's schooled in it like he's he's ACC basketball guy. And like, we we do not like him. Uh, and you know, even if he's, even if he's chastising the Michigan team who we're not supposed to like, you know, he clearly is just stuck in the
0: seventies or eighties. Yeah, totally. uh, here's a call on a Donna Williams jumper. They win me back here. Let's listen to this. Williams. Oh, is that beautiful? They never even touched the rim. Well, what do you remember from that Donna Williams, that night from Donna Williams? I mean he was incredible,
1: incredible. uh like I think a, a lot of people don't remember with all these iconic players playing Donald Williams was the final four mvp That's right. Um you know and now I I in preparation for this podcast I looked up where some of these people are now he's a he's a woman's basketball coach in uh a high school in North Carolina. Yes. Oh maybe a, I'm sorry a, I think he's a college a college in North Carolina. Um but uh um you know and god bless him it's great but it's not you know the the final four mvp you yes, would think right. would would be someone that everybody would know that maybe had an nba career um so um but uh yeah he it, that's a th- again the thing about college sports if if uh, or th- this tournament especially if you get one person who just gets hot mm-hmm. you know uh especially a hot shooting streak uh which Donald williams had he was you know i think he was shooting over 50 percent in his three pointers for the ncaa tournament uh um like you know you can ride that uh to a lot of uh um uh
0: upsets Acclaimed. yeah absolutely um and then here's the call of the great call of the moment of the of the travel slash timeout. here we go to tie. Michigan michigan have to bring it he, he walked away. in, and referee missed it. Weber brings it into the front court. They have no timeouts remaining. Oh, he causes he too calls- many timeouts. That's a technical foul. He called a timeout. Michigan doesn't yes. have any. He got by with a walk, and Jimmy calls a, techni- he calls a timeout. He doesn't realize that's Michigan's too many, and so it'll be a technical foul. North Carolina shooting and the ball. If, if you think about, you know, the way this could have gone, because, again, it was a bunch of crazy stuff in the moment, that's a pretty rock-solid call uh, they're talking about how Michigan has no timeouts as Chris Webber starts to call one. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good call, all things considered. Yeah, yeah,
1: I was noticing that too when I watched it. Uh, yeah, he was. Um, they already were were, you know, foreshadowing what yes. might happen here. Yes. Um Yeah, and and they were so uh, flabbergasted by the travel, yes. you know, that once he kind of came down and had a timeout, it even, you know, it, the whole thing exploded.
0: It really feels like, and again, I mean, obviously I don't know Chris Webber and I don't know what it's like. I've never played in a game of this magnitude or made a mistake like that, but there's something about Chris, uh, Billy Packer or anyone, including the the guy that you just did the pitch perfect imitation of when they do that, like travel thing, that the, the, the surprise of that, Oh my God, he walked it, as a fan, you get like, like you get a little shocked and it's like a little disconcerting and you're like, wait, what's going on? And it's like, Even sitting at home, let alone playing in that game, you're like, wait, what's going on? And you're trying to keep up. And it's just frenetic, even as a viewer and a listener, however many years after the fact, it's really a lot. It's really a crazy, crazy moment uh, in NCAA history. Fantastic. I remember that.
1: So, uh, you know, I'm a senior at Carolina watching this game. Uh, um, You know, it's uh, it's played in New Orleans and I'm in Chapel Hill, but we had maybe, 16 or 17 people over to our house we had a big uh you know a big, big place um and i remember when he started walking everybody is jumping up and yelling and yelling we super <laughs> mad and then seconds later it completely turns around where we're all you know oh jumping God. up and down and people are jumping on top of each other and stuff and yelling so
0: yeah and you're all college kids, so you're probably just going absolutely nuts. Do, yeah, we're Is going there crazy. is there any does 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 it ending on such a controversial, weird, sort of wonky thing and then a technical free throw, does it sort of ending in that moment take away from your enjoyment at all? Like would you rather see a, a buzzer beater or a great defensive stand and Michigan doesn't come back? Or do you or is a college kid are you like, who gives a shit? This is fantastic.
1: Yeah, I didn't care. I mean, I think I think if I if I took the 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 fan uh of Carolina out of yeah, myself yeah. and just became a fan of basketball, yeah. I'd rather do that. But once that timeout was called and we knew the game yeah, yeah, was yeah. in hand, it yeah. was such a relief. You know, because <laughs> when uh Pat Sullivan misses this free throw and they have a chance to tie or go ahead, right. Um, you know, our hearts are in our throats at that point uh and, you know, the the massive relief we felt with that mental mistake. Yeah. I still remember it. Oh my god!
0: Uh, the next credentials are test of time. This is when we compare this moment against other moments like it in past. In the past, so other. The question is, and I'm going to make this specific. Yeah. Can you make the argument? And I, I'm working off the premise that I appreciate college sports. I appreciate any good sports moment, but a college sport moment has a bit of a different wall to climb for me to get into my first Bell Hall of Fame. If if I can think of a, of a better championship NCAA Ben's basketball championship moment that gets in does that maybe that decreases the chances of this one getting in so the question to you is can you make the argument that this moment is better than the Chris Jenkins game winner that beat NC Hmm. um I don't know if I can
1: uh, because that was uh, you know, a last second shot. Right. Uh, and I don't know if you remember, but right before uh, Marcus Page made this amazing uh, mm. double clutch three that went <laughs> yes. in. Um, the thing that I think that possibly makes this a little bit better is even though uh, that particular moment is probably a better moment in sports, uh, overall, when you think of the history yes. of it, more people remember this game because yep. of the iconic players that were yep. part of it. Uh, that's a great
0: point. Uh, this moment, this podcast is about moments. What's the moment in your career that sort of changed, changed everything? Do you have a moment that you look back at and go, "Damn, that's the that's like the moment where it sort of everything took off from my career."
1: I mean, I guess. I guess I, I guess I'll just say two. Uh, one was when I went from struggling New York stand-up to I got a job on the Chris Rock show in mm-hmm. 1999. Uh, I had submitted just a packet, you know, um, and uh, and I was I just got lucky, you know, to get in there. But that, uh, go, you know, going from no job to a job on a comedy show that a lot of people watched. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was that kind of basically went. For me, from, it's my equivalent of from going college to the pros. Right, We're now listening right, right. to the yeah. big boys. And then probably the other one was, uh, I don't know if it's a moment, but those first few months in the second season of Chappelle's show, mm-hmm. uh, when Dave Chappelle was, this is like 2003 or so. Uh, Dave Chappelle is, is really uh, his show. Everybody's talking about it. Everyone's watching it. Um And he's like the coolest guy in comedy. Uh, And I have a couple of sketches on, including the race draft that uh, really do very well there. And then suddenly that, uh, I think, made people know my name as a oh, comedy writer, wow. not 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 a regular person, but yeah. uh, people in the industry, of, you know, oh, who wrote that? Oh, what is that? You know? um and so that uh that was the first time that kind of my name started getting oh around God. as as somebody who uh was a was a good writer
0: there there's a moment in um above the rim the movie above the rim where bernie mac plays the bum and he turns to leon and goes they'll never take away what we were and I always watched that moment. Mm. The thing I took home from it, I was like, something happened from those dudes. But Bernie Mac knows how good Leon was. And Leon knows how good Bernie Mac were. And they know how good they were as teammates. And they had a moment that they're like, no one will ever take this from us because we used to fucking play. This is this is my fan fiction about <laughs> above the rim i think about the race draft and i think about that period on chappelle show and you being a part of it they'll never fucking take that from you brian Tucker. they'll uh, well, no matter what happens the rest of your career they'll never fucking take that moment from you that's yours forever congratulations thank you it is
1: nice i mean oh i will God. say you know nice. now that we're we're uh 19 years almost uh um you know since that moment uh you know not everybody remembers it you know a kid uh 20 or under doesn't don't doesn't uh they might know Chappelle's show, but, uh, they don't, they don't, they weren't in that right. particular time when, you know, that, uh, that show was really hot. Um, and, you know, I have people come up to me and, uh, you know, again, most of them are 25 or under, and they'll be like, you know, I was watching Chappelle's show on this, uh, <laughs> and, and, like, cause I'm on it here and there, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, I'm on, I'm in this thing called the, uh, I know black people, a game of show. Course, uh, yes. And, uh, and like, And, like, people – I still, once a month, it's people being like, oh, my gosh, I saw – and it's almost always people who have rediscovered Chappelle's show, you know, after
0: after many years. It's everything. Uh, At this point in your career, Brian, this is a real question. At this point in your life and career, I have a proposition for you. UNC wins the national championship this season. They beat Duke in the final with a buzzer beater. The – caveat is you were fired from snl you were summarily dismissed from snl something happened no it doesn't get out there's no nobody knows what happened but you were yeah. fired publicly from snl do you make that swap
1: yeah i mean yeah <laughs> I, I, I had a good run you know if, if i still like you said if i still had these 19 years under my belt it's probably all right you know <laughs> i mean uh i'll, I'll have I'll have 19 years of experience, but I'll only have that one <laughs> uh, right. that one moment. So <laughs> I think if it was just in my second year or whatever, then <laughs> right, right. Then, then I might answer differently. I but I uh,
0: yeah. Almost <laughs> we're almost done here. The next uh, credentials are butterfly effect. This is a new credential here. I matter, I don't know if I've done this before, but it's the butterfly effect effect. I heard this clip from Michigan's Ray Jackson and the Fab Fives 30 for 30. Let's listen to this. You know, I felt like we would never be the, be together again on the court. We had plans of coming out there. All five of us coming out together. We're going to win it, and we are going to the NBA. That was the goal. For us not to win it, that shattered some dreams. What happens to these dudes if they win that national title? How? Ray Jackson it's... makes the NBA almost without question, true or false. Yeah. Uh Maybe a second rounder, but yeah, totally. probably. I think yeah. so. Yeah. the It would have just been the excitement would have been so high. Someone walks in and gives him a second round pick, by the yeah. way, Ray Jackson, you did the same thing I did. I went and researched. Where are they now? Ray Jackson was a CBA MVP in, in one of these seasons that came up. So okay. it's not like Ray Jackson had a terrible career after the fact. Uh, fascinating to think about Chris does Chris Webber's, Panic travel. Does 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 Dante Calabria on the bench freaking out about the travel force Chris Webber to call a timeout, which then gets. Uh, ray jackson eliminated from his nba dream
1: (laughs) you're right it's it's that i understand now the title of this butterfly effect yes right it's crazy and dean Dean smith would have been you know uh you know he he can't win without michael jordan that's right and and james
0: worthy yeah stealing uh that pass from whichever uh georgetown guy threw it away you're exactly right maybe they're like dean smith isn't all that and he, he got lucky in that one time who knows yeah uh, right. Fascinating yeah. to think
1: about. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, probably, I mean, George Lynch maybe gets picked, but right. maybe not as high. Totally. Maybe Eric Montras doesn't get picked. You know, uh, like, yeah, who knows? Maybe Hendrik Rodel doesn't go on to, you know, <laughs> the,
0: the
1: German <laughs> national team and Some he just kind re- of, you know, he stays another year. And, <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe Dirk Nowitzki grew up on Henrik Rodel's national teams, and that's how he gets the who knows you don't know. I mean, there is, I, I heard a
1: you know I'm a huge Carolina basketball fan, so I heard a podcast with Henrik Rodel, and he you know he coached Dirk Nowitzki for the for the national championship team and got him into you know um, uh, you know it, at least introduced him to some people I in bet. USA basketball and the bet. NBA.
0: Amazing. Uh, Brian, I see the clock is winding down on us. It's almost time for America's favorite podcast segment, More Important. Why are we talking about a uh, uh, travel and Dante Calabria on the bench? Why are we devoting so much time to this and not talking about the things that matter, like those kids working for universities that stole money out of their pockets and also uh, the racism that surrounded the way the Fab Five was treated? Why are we doing that, Brian Tucker? Uh, (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry, Brian. We don't have time for that. It's time for something (laughs) more important. Brian, I'm about to ask you a series of questions. Your answer to these questions will all be far more important than anything you were about to just make up in that answer. (laughs) Your your answers to these questions will define who you are as a man on this planet. Here we go. More important. The, The music's playing. There's a timer ticking down. Here we go. What okay. is your favorite breakfast pastry? Wait, you, wait, hold on. Your favorite breakfast sweet thing. I'm going to What I mean to say is, I'm also including pancakes and waffles into this. So what's your favorite breakfast sweet? It's got to be a chocolate croissant. Oh, it's a great uh, answer. You, know. <laughs> you work in comedy. The show is about sports. Who do you believe is the funniest athlete of all time?
1: I mean, you got it's again, it's probably a pat answer, but Charles Barkley is really funny. So, I have worked with him on
0: SNL many times. Uh, Brian, give me your UNC Mount Rushmore four dudes who went to North Carolina athletes uh, that you believe should uh, uh, encapsulate North Carolina, University of North Carolina sports.
1: Sure. I mean, you have to put Michael Jordan on there, right. you probably have to put Mia Hamm on there. Oh, that's a um, good one. As uh, probably the person who opened the door for, for women's soccer. And oh. in a lot of ways, women's
0: yes. sports is kind of a I national agree. stage. I didn't know she went to NCU. Great answer.
1: Yep, a huge, you know, she was a women's soccer there. Um, you probably have to put Lawrence Taylor on there. As, I didn't uh, know
0: Lawrence Taylor went to. Yes. to I Unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've had some good ones. Yeah, uh, and then, I mean, I, I, can you count a coach? Can you put Dean Smith on there? Yep. Uh, so, okay, so Dean Smith as... You know, not only an incredible basketball coach, but also someone who uh, was an incredible leader and also in the South uh, was a, a civil rights. You know, uh, I don't know if you call him a, a champion, but a, a civil a civil rights advocate yes. who had, you know, the first black player in uh, in big time college basketball on his team. Fantastic answer.
0: Uh, last question, more important. What's your favorite late night bit of all time? Do you have a favorite mm-hmm. late night? bit in late night comedy history yeah i mean my
1: uh, the the person who was everything to me when i was a kid was eddie murphy Mm. and so those old eddie murphy mr robinson's neighborhoods those are what kind of uh when i was nine ten years old that was the first exposure i ever got to what kind of late night comedy was and i remember laughing at those until i cried um you know, I'll also say, again, it's a little bit of a cliche, but Chris Farley is Matt Foley, the motivational yeah, speaker. So good. When I first saw that, <laughs> I it was one of those things where I had to, like, tell all my yes. friends about it. Yes. And when it came on as a rerun, I was so excited. Yes. Um, and then, uh, you know, as a Gen Xer, uh, I'll say a lot of the early Conan O'Brien mm-hmm. bits in those first two or three years, mm-hmm. uh, the staring contest mm-hmm. where they would have super weird uh people the uh you know pimp bot or yes. the masturbating bear or triumph or you know stuff like that that also uh when i saw conan in the in uh when he came on in 1994 that was the first time i thought to myself oh they're doing comedy that's that's for us yes. that's that's for my generation yep. Yep. you know um,
0: and i uh so th- i'll put those three fantastic uh, uh, you that Matt Foley. I remember the thing I remember about Matt Foley, or the first one I saw was I think it was like Applegate, uh, and Spade. Maybe. Oh, yeah, that is the first one. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, I remember going, You have to see this, is so funny. And then he smashes the chair, and you're doing the impression like you're running through the whole thing. But then I was like, The best part of the whole sketch was the, the cast is breaking. That's really the first time I remember watching something and seeing the cast breaking and thinking oh, that's so funny that this moment is so funny that they can't even hold themselves back. And that ended up affecting a lot of my comedy taste because I don't care about scripted stuff. Like, I like it when it's all completely real and people break. And like, I just think that stuff is genius. And just, again, it's like another added layer to that to, uh, to makes something you know, bigger and better. That's what we should do. We should do a comedy version of this podcast and, and we should induct Matt Foley and, and use that as a different credential <laughs> that, that that the dudes break in the sketch. I love that. Well, I, I could speak a lot more professionally though, <laughs> than I can about sports. Sports, I'm just
1: standing way, a thousand yards away as a fan. You know, here I could maybe tell you some actual personal things.
0: So. Uh, the next credential is our voting committee. I went to the official college basketball fan of the first bail podcast. That's Nick Bernstein, uh, like senior vice president of Late Night for CBS, something like that. I'm sorry to have such a co- competitor on the podcast with you. I asked him for his yeah. thought on this moment. He wrote, "Quote: I don't think this moment is funny or fun. You're celebrating a mistake. That's not what your podcast is about." unquote heavy words from nick bernstein a lot to think about it's time for the cosign brian tucker the floor is yours does this game this national championship and chris weber's timeout belong in the first ballot hall of fame and why well of course i think it belongs in the first hall
1: hall of fame i wouldn't be on this podcast and have suggested it (laughs) if i didn't think it did um It's when you think about the great national championship games, again, you think about, uh, you know, early Larry Bird versus early Magic Johnson. Mm -hmm. Maybe you think of, uh, you know, Michael Jordan versus Patrick Ewing. Um, But uh, this is one that people, everybody remembers. And I'll uh, I'll I'll argue with your friend here. It's not just about that mistake. (laughs) I mean, everyone remembers the mistake, of course, um, but. Uh, you know, there are incredible players in this game. Uh, you know, players, Weber went on to the hall of fame, the fab five were already a huge thing, you know, in North, in North Carolina history, you know, we, we love Eric Montrose, We love George Lynch, you know, Don, like I said, Donald Williams was the final four MVP that year. Um, And uh, and then there are it's a it's a game that has uh, like the people involved with it um, went on to be, you know, have again, your butterfly effect have an effect on the game for the next 30 years. That's right. We all know Chris Webber. But again, I've mentioned, you know, Rob Palenka, Hendrik Rodel. You know, it's a Dean Smith defining moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eric Montross has uh, ensconced his place in North Carolina history uh, where he. He's our co- he's the color commentator on the radio broadcast and has been for the past twenty years, so you know he also is is a, a local legend there. Um, it's a game that uh, will, you know, resonate with me personally forever because <laughs> I was a senior in, at college then, and when they won, me and my roommates. Uh, picked up my couch, marched a <laughs> half a mile up, uh, up the hill to the middle of town, and we threw it into a bonfire. Uh, and I, when I talk to people about that game who were at that celebration, they'll say to me, hey, do you know what I saw happen? He <laughs> came in and threw a couch in the bonfire. And I'd be like, that's me. Uh, <laughs> so... Whether your (laughs) listeners view this as a Hall of Fame moment or not, for me, in my heart, it will always be fun.
0: Fantastic answer. That's amazing. That is is perfect that is without question a stupid thing to do to take a couch through town and throw it into a fire and destroy yes. your own couch is a p- incredibly, almost impossibly stupid thing to do, but it is a perfect college basketball fan celebratory thing. That's a, a great story. Thank you for telling you. We it. were,
1: we were, we were drunk with joy and, and, and also with beer.
0: <laughs> it's time for the induction speech. That's when I get to decide where this thing goes in. Listen, I'm going to take the game even out of the picture. If, and that's how crazy this moment is. You're removing an entire basketball game and all the things that happen and all the great players and all the great plays and the, the 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 Weber alley-oops and the George Lynch alley-oops, all the great plays that happen in this game. You can just move them, forget about them, dismiss them for a moment. I think, ultimately, this becomes a referendum on the Fab Five. Do the Fab Five deserve a moment in the first battle hall of fame? That answer is unequivocally, Yes. And if you can answer yes to that question, the, the sub question then becomes: Is there a bigger Fab Five moment than this moment? I don't know that there is.
1: I would doubt it. When you think about what they did, you know this is this is what you come back. to. I,
0: this is what you come back to. It feels slightly disrespectful to to echo what Nick was saying. It feels slightly disrespectful to remember the Fab Five this way. But ultimately, I don't think you can tell the story of the Fab Five or the ncaa tournament final or the basketball through the 90s and early 2000s without telling the story of chris weber's time out it certainly
1: is a huge part of it but i don't i i'm sure he would say this it doesn't define him
0: yes and that's that's exactly why it's with deep respect to chris weber that i say congratulations to unc donna williams Brian Tucker, the couch, Henrik Rodel uh, Dirk Nowitzki, Chris Webber, Jalen Rose, Jimmy King, Ray Jackson, Juan Howard. This moment is going into the first ballot hall of fame. Uh, I'm very gratified to hear that. Wow. My God, Brian, how can people follow you? What can you plug? Uh,
1: I mean, I don't have a lot to plug uh, watch SNL. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not on Twitter as much, but I, I just joined threads.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, Brian Tucker, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, sir.
1: Yeah, it was great talking to you, Neil. And I love uh, thinking about that time and, uh, and
0: all your insights. Uh, You were fantastic. Thank you so much. That's it. That's the show. My sincere thanks to Mr. Brian Tucker for being on the show. Welcome back to college basketball. Welcome back to SNL. And thanks again to Brian Tucker, a great guest. We appreciate him and his time. I also appreciate the team here. Robbie, Bobby, Jessica, EJ, Rhythm J, and DA, that's the team. My thanks to all of them, as always. Make sure you follow Ball's Life and check out the Ball's Life Podcast Network. Rate and review us if you would, please. It would help us a lot. And please come back next week for more First Ballot.